right back. Welcome back. We are the MMA Cutmen. I'm Kevin. That's Marcus. And right before the break, at the end of round one, Marcus kind of let the cat out of the bag a little. Tried to do a cool tease. Unfortunately, didn't work out because then he... Then you told the secret about the Bellator middleweight championship and its champion, Hector Lombard. Yeah, I I, I may have misspoke, spoken a little too soon, uh, but it turns out that Hector Lombard is headed to the UFC. So we're going to see how that turns out. Uh, in the media right now, he's he's looking for uh, a big fight with uh, Anderson Silva. So What? I, I, I'm shocked. Where did where do you go from being... I mean, granted, he's, tw- he's won 24 of his last 25 fights. He hasn't lost in years. And, and he thinks he's going to waltz in to the UFC and pull a Chael Sonnen and just say, I want Anderson Silva. Give me Anderson Silva. Hey, Jake Shields and Nick Diaz can say whatever they want and get title shots left and right. Why can't Hector Lombard? He's well, a- Nick Diaz is Stockton. Hector Lombard's no. Cuban. Uh, That's true. Let's let's put those mafias on display and see who wins. <laughs> I, I guarantee you Hector Lombard's smoking a cigar in Nick Diaz's face in that one. Well, do, do you put Hector Lombard's body of work in Bellator a little higher ranked than... No. Than say Jake Shields working no. strike force. See, I think that might have been. And even Hector then, Hector strike- hasn't fought. In, I mean, he hasn't fought anybody that I think you, other than Alexander Shlomenko, I don't think he's fought anybody that's really notable. I mean, it, it's a nice resume. Uh, it's not something that gets you immediate title shots. And uh, I, yeah, I want him to call out a guy like Anderson Silva. I want him to be violent and go in there thinking he can knock out anybody. But. Well, yeah, he's got to work his way up the ladder. Yeah, you want your guys to that you're just saying to go. I want to take on the best. I want Anderson Silva. You don't want him to go in and say, "Hey, just go ahead and give me." I don't care. Just throw somebody at me. I'll I thought, fight him. I thought it'd be appropriate if he was uh, was going to fight Yushin Okami, but <clears throat> Yushin Okami is booked. Uh, recent news came down on that as well, which we'll get to in a, in a, in a couple minutes. But yeah, Hector Lombard, USC bound, uh, one of the first of many, maybe Bellator former champions or or contenders. That are that are headed in the UFC's direction, uh, holds a belt, one title defense in four years, Overeem style, Overeem style. You know, fights with Shulmenko were entertaining, but uh, he's going to get a chance now to prove he's one of the better middleweights in the world, and, and he'll he'll probably get. You know, he could get Brian Stan. Maybe Brian Stan would be an adequate striking matchup with him in his first fight. He'd have to worry about you know takedowns and some some other stuff. But Brian Stan doesn't wrestle. Uh, he did submit Mike Masenzio, and Mike Masenzio was a legit wrestler. So I think you're underselling Fine. what Brian Stan's capable of. Uh, his his violence against Alessio Sakara was was pretty beautiful. We liked it, even though I thought it was a short stoppage. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Hector Lombard, UFC bound. One of the uh, unique headlines that uh, we're going to talk about. So that means that the Bellator middleweight championship, you uh, referenced this in round one, is now vacant. Alexander Shlomenko just came off a win in Super Fight League over in India. He was the season five winner right. of the Bellator Middleweight Tournament. So now we have a situation where you're going to have the season five winner going up against either or going up against the season six winner, regardless. It's either a guy that is that will have had two fights in Bellator and Andreas Spang or Michael Falco, who okay, he probably has quote unquote earned it a little more than Spang has, but it's a fight that, that we've talked about before. How many people are going to want to see this fight 
when you lose massive star power of Hector Lombard, or does it even matter to Bellator at this point when they only draw 109,000 people for a big-time fight? Well, I think it matters. Uh, I made the point with you last week. We didn't get to, to air it, but uh, I made the point that Bellator has to be about growing stars and letting them go on to other organizations. In this case, it must just be the UFC because we don't know what's happening with Strike Force or Dream at this point. Well, at some uh, point, you could. I, I wouldn't mind honestly seeing some of the some of the middle uh, middle of the road Bellator competitors being signed into Strike Force and, and kind of use Strike Force's. We've talked about it as a minor league sort of deal, uh, kind of a feeder system to the UFC, but you've still got guys like like Gilbert Melendez, etc. Well, I think you and I would both like to see Gilbert Melendez fight a guy like Eddie Alvarez. So, you know, when you start putting together fights like that, that makes it no longer a minor league organization when you're putting on fights of that level. I'm kind of of the opinion, though, that, that Bellator, they're going to groom guys that aren't as noticed and, and as, you know, Big Andreas Spang is a perfect example of a guy who's going to come into a tournament. He's going to knock out Brian Rogers. He's going to make a name for himself. Uh, he's going to get some good opportunities. But Bellator is is creating and cultivating talent. They don't. They can't really afford to continue paying guys hundred thousand dollar salaries uh, and, and still give them hundred thousand dollar fights. I mean, you know, this was kind of the problem the USC has with guys like Tito Ortiz and Yoshihiro Akiyama. If you're going to pay a guy. a fight, he has to be competing against guys that deserve that paycheck. You can't give fluff opponents. And Eddie Alvarez has been fighting fluff opponents, you know, for a while. Shinya Aoki's a great opponent for him. Uh, He he looks sublime. Maybe he goes to strike force. Maybe he goes to the UFC. But this is what Bellator's going to have to do. They're going to have to create guys like Hector Lombard. They're going to have to send them packing. And then Hector Lombard, let's say he makes $100,000 a fight. You're going to have to use that $100,000 and invest in five or six other small-time fighters and build up these tournaments again. It's ironic. We're talking about middleweight in, in Bellator. It's ironic that two of the most violent welterweights that Bellator has, Brian Baker and Carl Amasu, were both uh, middleweight fighters who cut down to welterweight for this tournament. How pretty would they be sitting right now if they could compete in a depleted middleweight division in Bellator that no longer has the fierce champion I, I got to think you're kicking yourself if you're a guy who's cut weight. Either that or you're looking at it now going, all right, cool. The biggest guy is gone. Sure, that would have been an easier path to a title. But these are guys that maybe want to build their resumes a little more to make themselves more attractive to when it's time to move on to greener pastures. What this really means is that we've found a situation where there's still hope for the Keith Jardine middleweight title. Woo! Yeah, if, if there's ever a place for Keith Jardine. Uh, the Dean of Mean would be a welcome addition to Bellator's middleweight division and uh, a guy that I think could do, you know, if he's going to continue to fight at that weight class. We haven't heard from him in a while since his Rockhold debacle, <laughs> which kind of rhymes nice. now that I say I, it. I, did you make uh, that up? I, I just came up with it. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, Keith would be a, a, an apropos fit. It's interesting. We're talking about middleweights. Chael Sonnen, Anderson Silva, is no longer going to be in Brazil. So they finally gave in to the uh, possibly a bit over overdone Brazilian anti-chaleness. What's more insulting? To suggest that A, the Brazilian crowd would be violent and negatively responsive towards Chael Sonnen for his comments, or that in the aftermath of that, 
speculated negativity, the USC has to take WWE preventative measures and move an entire fight to a different venue. If I'm a Brazilian fight fan, I'm going, really? If I'm if I'm Anderson Silva, I'm doing the same thing. You're saying, hey, you're going to give George St. Pierre all these fights in Canada against guys like Josh Koscheck, who, you know, if Canadians wanted to, they could have wanted to tear him to shreds. But you've got one of your biggest fights you could ever have, and you're taking it away from the from the Brazilian that has made you so much money. Well, you already know how I feel about home field advantage, and I think it's ludicrous that that title holders would continue to fight on their home soil. I get that it makes money for the UFC, for GSP to continue to fight Canada. However, it's not necessarily fair for any of his title challengers if they know they're going into you know the devil's backyard, so to speak. So I'm okay with them moving it. I just find it funny that they've moved one fight. They haven't chosen to move the entire card. Uh, you know, Belfort and Silva 2 is going to happen. Vanderlei Silva. Vanderlei. Anderson's, yeah, def- Anderson's not def- fighting two, two, two yeah, times in a week. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, and, and the unique part about this now is you're going to be looking at potentially adding Jose Aldo to this uh, to this fight card at UFC 147. Oh, by the way, that's not oh, happen. Oh, by the way. Nope, that's not happening. He and, uh, he and Eric Koch, or is it Eric Koch? I think Eric, it could be it could be either whatever you prefer. That fight will actually happen as scheduled at UFC 149. Interesting in Calgary. <clears throat> Interesting. So where you're gonna be getting what you could amount at this point to an overseas card that you usually get for free. You know, you get the cards in Australia, you get them in in England, Sweden a, a few weeks ago. Now you're in Brazil, no title fights. I understand that that Vitor Belfort and, and Vanderlei Silva are huge names still, and you're going to get the the tough Brazil finals. What about that card outside of Belfort and Silva is going to make the casual fan go, "Hey, I got to watch this." Nothing. I mean, you know, if you're if you're looking for, a fat- I got to pay fifty bucks to watch a bunch of guys <clears throat> I can't even pronounce their names. Well, Brazilian fighters are going to pay because of the tough Brazil finals for featherweights and middleweights, and I think. Your average fight fan is interested in seeing what Fabricio Verdum can do. Uh, aside from that, you don't necessarily have a headliner for that event, uh, and and you've got to find one. So uh, they they can they can use the headliner to be Belfort Silva too in, in Brazil. Yeah, probably. But that card, as it sits right now, only has five fights, and I'm excited for one of those fights, and that's the main event. And that main event shouldn't even be close, in my opinion. So. I think they have work to do on this card. I mean, I, I understand that you're doing it in Brazil. It's going to sell. Pay-per-views are going to be high. North American fight fans in the United States, people interested in this outside of Brazil, there's got to be more. I mean, th- th- that looks like an FX card. I think you'll agree. That yeah, looks like oh, yeah. a, a fuel card right now. Yeah, it's a free TV card that they're going to charge you 50 bucks for. Well, that's not going to happen on our end. Uh, they need to find a main event for that fight card, and and you know we'll see what happens there. Uh, UFC 146, though, just as much movement, we talk about Anderson Silva and Chael Sonnen being switched around. It seems that there's a heavyweight shuffle going on at UFC 146. Yeah, we've seen Alistair Overeem popped for his elevated testosterone level. Correct. He's suspended for nine months. The right. uh, The ruling from the NSAC came down this week. He's not fighting until December. He can technically try and reapply for a license in time for the year-end show, but that's that gives him a two-day window to be cleared for a fight and presumably he stays prepared. Who knows? So instead of Alistair Overeem and Junior Dos Santos, you're getting Frank Mir and Junior Dos Santos. Okay, well, that leaves Cain Velasquez without a fight. 
Okay, Cain Velasquez is going to jump up and face uh, Bigfoot Silva. Okay, so now what? Oh, wait, Roy Nelson needs a, needs a fight. So we've got Gabriel Gonzaga going in against Roy Nelson. Wait, now we need more fights. The, the dominoes keep falling. So Shane Del Rosario, uh, one of the Strike Force imports, is going to be fighting Stipe Miocic. Miocic. That's, that's good. Yeah, that, was, that was nice. And, and of course, the affable Mark Hunt, who rally for Mark Hunt was was minutes and light years away from a title shot, all in the same breath, <laughs> uh, fighting Stefan Struve in. You know, with all the drama that's happened to that card, the fact that that fight has stayed together has kind of made it, you know, uh, a little anticlimactic. But I'm excited for this all heavyweight fight card. You know, we look at <clears throat> 146. The undercard is is sensational. You know, when you've got Jason Mayhem Miller, Edson Barbosa, Evan Dunham, Glover Teixeira will be making his UFC debut against Kyle Kingsbury. Mark Teixeira? Uh, Mike Brown. I'm just ignoring that. Thank you. Mike Brown is fighting Daniel Pineda. We, we're, we're fans of Mike Brown for his WC days. Very interesting prelim. I think the main of uh, the main card, while it doesn't have the star power that Alistair Overeem brings to it, I'm intrigued to see how Frank Mir can do against Junior Dos Santos. How does Junior Dos Santos deal with potentially being taken down? You know, we've seen him knock out Cain Velasquez, but that's because Cain Velasquez decided to trade with him. Cain Velasquez could have shot for a takedown, and we, we would have we would have been asking some questions of Junior Dos Santos. Will Frank Mir be able to get inside, get a takedown, and, and start working his submission game? We both agree his submission of Big Nog was violent. Ugh. It earned him this title shot. Can he capitalize, or is he just going to be one in a line of opponents put to sleep by Dos Santos? We'll find out. Antonio Silva, a strike force import, a guy I think we both agree. He big, he punch. He big, he punch, he has no chin. No. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see how he fights with Kane, because I, I think Silva's got a great... Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. Kane obviously has the wrestling. Kane is coming back from his layoff. He's got a huge monster in front of him now. How much fun would uh, it have been to see Bigfoot Silva and Stefan Struve? It, it would have been fun. The giant size of but Silva. But that would put Mark Hunt in there with Kane Velasquez. A little skinny Stefan Struve. And that's Struve. hardly fair for Mark Hunt. It's interesting. You look at this fight. Uh, on paper, who's who's a tougher fight for Kane Velasquez? Frank Mir or Antonio Silva? On paper, you'd, you'd probably look at it and say... Uh, I was gonna. I would say Frank Mir because I, you know, we know his game. But you say Antonio Silva just because of the sheer mass. And but you look at who Cain Velasquez has beaten. The last really big guy that he fought was Brock Lesnar, right? And he knocked him silly. Well, I, I think Silva's a tougher matchup because he he presents more issues uh, as far as well-rounded game go. You know, he's he's got some striking. He's got some submissions. Frank has an evolved striking game as he proved when he knocked out Big Nog. Uh, and he looked good when he knocked out Chet Congo before choking him out. Frank's submissions are still the best in the business, but I I don't think Frank can do a whole lot to Kane unless he gets him on the ground, and I think that's a problem. Whereas I think Antonio Silva is an interesting style clash for Kane coming off a layoff. It'll be interesting to see how Kane can take a punch. He's going to have to because Antonio Silva is going to be winging him. Gabe Gonzaga, a guy who we've talked about over the years as uh, a guy who should have never been released from the UFC. He was never a great fighter, but he was never a guy that was in the throes of a losing streak. He was never boring. Uh, violent is all heck. And now he's going to get a chance to push Roy Nelson further back in the line. Basically on the brink. On the brink of, well, I don't think they can cut him. He won the Tough 10 finale, and there's not a whole lot of other heavyweights out there. You know, he gets a chance to go to Bellator or 
super fight league. He's making a ton of money, and they've got a legit fighter. So you can't cut. I mean, we talk about Overeem. He serves a nine-month suspension. The next question is, well, do the you know does the UFC cut him? No, UFC's not going to cut a guy that is a world champion kickboxer, a world champion mixed martial artist, and is going to make them a ton of money. Also, as we discuss before, the Nevada State Athletic Commission makes some money on these on these pay-per-views and, and all these these live gates. They're not going to get rid of Alistair Overeem. So Gabe Gonzaga, Roy Nelson, interesting. Shane Del Rosario, Stephen Miosic. Uh I'm intrigued by how these Strike Force guys can do. Del Rosario is a guy, reminds me a lot of Brendan Schaub, size-wise, talent-wise. I'm, I'm intrigued. We'll, we'll see how he does. Mark Hunt, yeah, you know, we'll see how that fight turns out. It, it's kind of an odd Oompa Loompa shaped guy against a skyscraper. <laughs> um, this card is stacked and, and it's intriguing. I'm excited for the main event. That that uh, that main card full of heavyweights should be fun. Uh, and you know, we talk about guys who've been released from. That was right where I was going. Junior Asunsao, right from uh, from the UFC cut, and he leads up three guys from the UFC. Uh, even W former WEC champion Jamie Varner. Uh, we also have Jay Heron. They're all going to legacy fighting championships. Right. What do we know about legacy? Uh, I know very little other than it's a good name for a fight organization. That's fantastic. And uh, right now, they're they're putting together some talent. I mean, you can't deny Varner, Heron, and Asunsao. I'm not high on Asunsao, but I don't think he deserved to be cut after losing his last fight. And he beat Eddie Yagen. Remember what Eddie Yagen just did a week ago? Correct. So... You know, it's interesting. These guys are UFC caliber fighters. Jamie Varner, regardless of what anybody says, is a guy I still think should be competing in the UFC. Does he get his shot? I mean, yeah, he lost to Dakota Cochran, uh, who would who didn't make it on this season's cast for the Ultimate Fighter. Jamie Varner has had some great fights in the WEC. He went on a losing streak to end his tenure there, uh, losing a couple times to Donald Cerrone. But Jamie Varner can still bring some violence and can still bring pain to a division that could use it, uh, he's gone on a bit of a tear. He's four and one since he since he was released from Zufa after the after the takeover. The only loss was Dakota Cochran. So maybe the maybe a five and one record outside the UFC and Zufa's uh, Zufa's wings gets Jamie Varner his shot. Well, he's he's going to get a shot on May 11th at Legacy Fighting Championship 11 in Houston, Texas, uh, a fight card that will be broadcast on HDNet. He's going to be fighting Lee King on that uh, on that night. He's going to get a shot to to bump up uh, his post US or WEC release record to five and one. I think he should win that fight. That's an interesting card. It has Marcus Aurelio on it as well. Jorge Patino against uh, Jesus Rivera for a, for a lightweight title that's vacant. Uh, Legacy, you know, may put together fight cards like this. They're going to have one or two big names on it. Heron, uh, Asunsao, Varner. These are just pit stop fights for them. They're looking for big shows, and, and you can't really blame them. I mean, I think all three of these guys, as we've touched on it, probably deserve hair on especially. I, I have no idea how he's evaded the UFC for the last couple of years. But it's taken seven years since his last fight. He was one of the guys that George St. Pierre beat on his way to really becoming GSP. The other guy in that whole little equation, Jason Miller. Correct. The man they call Mayhem. It took him about six, seven years to get back to the UFC, and now he's back. Maybe this is what what it's going to finally take for uh, for Jay Heron to come back. Well, he had to buy his way out of his Bellator contract, so you you know you know that those guys are locked in over there. They're not going anywhere. Heron may be one of you know three guys in the next six to eight months headed to the UFC for Bellator. I don't mind the the crossover of talent. Um, 
it's interesting because you and I watch a lot of fighters who aren't UFC caliber guys and they continue to get these fights. Let's just say Matt Brown, you know, one of those guys who, yeah, he just won his last fight. He's losing that fight 90% of the time. His opponent is going to be more well-rounded, have better cardio, etc., etc. Jay Heron, Jamie Varner, Junior Asunsau, all UFC caliber dudes, and they're fighting for roster spots that they probably still deserve. Guys are being brought in who aren't UFC caliber because they're cheaper. Jay Heron, Gerald Harris, long list of guys that the UFC has just kind of shied away from either bringing back or keeping a close eye on. I'm interested to see if Jay can can put together uh, a nice little winning streak, maybe get himself in there for, for another big fight with a, with a Nick Diaz or a John Fitch. Anybody in the welterweight division would be a good fight for him. Who knows, maybe get into strike force, kind of really work his way back up because then he'll be back under the Zufa umbrella and, and all three of these guys can, can find their their respective ways back. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the Ch- uh, Chael Son and Anderson Silva fight. Taken from UFC 147, it's now going to be moved two weeks later to UFC 148. UFC 148 was originally headlined by the bantamweight title fight, the rubber match between Dominic Cruz and Uriah Faber. Mm-hmm. In terms of just the size of this event now, not, the, you know, Silva Sonnen to notwithstanding, but you take Cruz Faber, Forrest Griffin and Tito Ortiz, their third fight, Rich Franklin, Franklin and Kung Lee, Bisping and Tim Bosch, Dong Yun Kim and Damian Maya. Does this turn into the biggest UFC card ever? No, uh, but here's the thing. It's almost too big to have Silva and Sonnen on it. I mean, you have four prelim <clears throat> fights. Well, four. Well, here, here's here's my issue with this fight card, and, and it's a lovely fight card, and I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. It's going to be, you know, three days after the Fourth of July. It's going to be sunny out. We're all going to be in a good mood, and this fight card is just going to be blessed with a ton of talent. Melvin Gallard is on the on the undercard. Uh, Consta Filipu is on the undercard. You know, Khabib Nurmagomedov is on the undercard. He's a guy we saw on Fuel say TV. Say that again, Nurmagomedov. There you go. Uh, he's a guy who, who beat Camel Shalarus. We've seen him fight a couple times in the WEC. Ivan Menjivar against Henan Barrow is going to be, if not the number one contender fight at Bantamweight, it's going to be very close to it. It's on the prelims, which means that this main card is stacked. Rich Franklin Kung Lee, co-main event on most of the UFC shows. It's the fourth fight. Michael Bisping, Tim Boach. It's the fifth fight. Forrest and Tito is now kind of pushed further down the list. How much fun would it be to see that push to a prelim? Uh, I, you know, I'm a fan <laughs> of this trilogy fight. I, I, I know a lot of people aren't interested in seeing it. Well, but each guy won their respective fight when the popular opinion was they the lost. other. Yeah, the right. other guy won. This fight had to happen. My issue with this fight card is simply that a you could still do Silva Sonnen at 147. B 149 would be a fine place for it as well. Do we see something get moved, possibly? Maybe. Dominic Cruz and Uriah Faber deserve to have the spotlight. They, they've they've put in their time on the Ultimate Fighter to become household names. They're both former champions in the WEC. Uriah Faber is one of the top three, probably one of the top three. I don't have actual proof of it. One of the top three biggest names as far as personalities, likability, product, brand name guys you know, John Jones, George St. Pierre, Uriah Faber. And that's weird because Uriah Faber no longer holds a title. Dominic Cruz holds that title. He's not the violent stopper that we're used to. He's a decision fighter who gets a lot of crap for that. That's a main event fight, and it should still be a main event fight. 
And if if I were Faber or Cruz after coming off the newest edition of The Ultimate Fighter, a live edition, a, a brand new spin on the series, they're the coaches, I would feel slighted by being bumped down this fight car. Yes, Silva Sundin's going to be great. Yes, we want to see that. But not at the risk of taking the star power away from a guy like Tito Ortiz in his final fight. You know, who knows? This could be Kung Lee's last fight. This could be Rich Franklin's last fight. I think Kung Lee still has like five fights left on his deal. Until he retires because yeah, he true. can't, you know, he can't compete with, with guys in that division. You, you never know. I mean, some of these guys are old. Kung Lee's what, 39, 38? So he's up there. Yeah, and, and he's got movies to make. Rich Franklin's not a spring chicken, you know? Some of these fighters deserve to kind of have their name out there. And, and I love the two title fight fight cards. I just I just wish this wasn't happening. I wish that it could happen at 147, the, this main uh, middleweight title. I, I wish that they could put it on 149. But, you know, they, they've got to do what they've got to do. We're going to enjoy watching it. It just it just sucks for Uriah Faber and Dominic Cruz. The funny thing is, Faber, it just seemed, nothing seems to phase Uriah Faber. You can tell him, you know, your fight's getting bumped. You're on the prelims fighting for a title. All right, cool. Whatever. Uriah Faber's happy getting paid, uh, and he's happy with whatever recognition comes from getting paid, and he would like a title, but I, I think Uriah, Fa- Uriah Faber, the difference between Uriah Faber and Dominic Cruz at this point is simply the old adage that we have when we're talking about movies and actors. There are people in, in the movie industry who are great actors, and then there are movie stars. Dominic Cruz is probably the better fighter. But if we're talking about who's the f- MMA movie star in that fight, it's definitely Uriah Faber. In he's going fight. to sell. Right. He's going to sell the pay-per-views. He's going to sell any pay-per-view. He may not be selling it the way John Jones or Anderson Silva or GSP can be selling these pay-per-views, but he's a star attraction and he doesn't even hold a belt. And so for me, I I don't like that it's being bumped down like that. Uh but it is. And so that I mean that's just one of the things that we're we're looking at the upcoming events. That is something to be intrigued about. The last thing I can think of, UFC 150 in Colorado just announced that the rematch is going to happen for the lightweight title Ben Henderson against Frankie Edgar. Doesn't need to happen. Doesn't need to happen. It's going to happen. Yushin Okami will also be on that fight card against Louise Kane and local fighter Dennis Holman from Yelm Woo! will be competing against Tiago Tavares. They're getting that card uh, set up for, looks like, mid-August, August 11th. It's going to be in the Pepsi Center in Denver. So, got a lot of lot of interesting and intriguing upcoming fights. As you mentioned earlier, it looks like it's going to be Jose Aldo defending his title in Calgary at UFC 149. When does Seattle get another event? I know we talked about it about a month ago, but damn it, I want another one. It, it was fun. It, it, you know, it, it should have happened for the Ian McCall uh, Demetrius Johnson fight. They should have figured out how to get that fight up here because it's in Demetrius Johnson's backyard. Maybe that's why they didn't. They didn't want to give anyone the quote-unquote perceived home field advantage. Oh, you don't want to do that, but you're so eager to do that with Anderson Silva or George St. Pierre. Blah, blah, blah. Money. Blah. Yeah, money talks. Unfortunately, you know, Sunrise, Florida is not a place that either Demetrius Johnson or Ian McCall call home. So that fight card to me is just kind of meh. I mean, I'm excited to see, you know, Charlie Brenneman, Eric Silva, Josh Neer, Mike Pyle. That's going to happen early June. We'll talk about that later. A lot of interesting stuff. Uh, Vinny Magalhaes is the guy right now in the news as far as headlines go. He's waiting to be out of his contract, an M1 light heavyweight champion. He wants back in the UFC since being on the Ultimate Fighter. I've kind of been keeping tabs on him. He's a very likable guy. I think he's a guy that can compete uh, at a Bellator or UFC level. 
And it'll be interesting to see how soon he can get out of that contract. I think the M1 Global has a chance to match any offer he gets. Ugh. Could see him in the next six to eight months in the UFC. Uh, kind of reminds me a little of Roger Gracie. Maybe not with the same kind of length and size, but definitely has the frame and definitely has the jujitsu. So a lot of interesting stuff in the headlines. A lot of stuff for us to keep our eyes on. Hopefully uh, these big fights don't go shifting their way around too much more. And if they do, you know that we'll talk about them right here on the MMA Cutman Radio Show. That's Marcus Schmidley. I'm Kevin Mendelson. Those were your headlines for the week. When we come back, we've got a couple of previews for you. Bellator is back next week. The UFC returns as well. We've got a couple good cards to talk about, and we'll tell you why you want to watch both of them. When we come back, we are the MMA Cutmen, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. This is round three. Final round. Come out swinging. We are the MMA Cutmen. That's Marcus Schmidley. I'm Kevin Mendelson. Coming up this week, Bellator 67. They took the week off on a week the UFC also took off. I think that's a mistake, personally. Huge mistake. Anytime you can fight, you don't have competition. And you're coming off a week where you had two lightweights who brought in 109,000 people. This would have been Bellator's premier marquee week to actually have some big fights. They made a huge gaffe there. Big air. But next week, we get some uh, we get some different fights from Bellator. The funny thing is, is Bellator is following up one gaffe by not having fights this week with another gaffe, in our opinion. The lightweight champion, Michael Chandler, will take on Akihiro Gono. But he's not putting up his title. This is a non-title fight where your champion, who is attractive to the UFC right now, is running a risk of being Christian Mpumbud. Christian Mpumbu lost a non-title fight a few months ago. We haven't heard from him since. So what happens? Why is Bell? Really, why is Bellator putting on a non-title fight? Well, it's funny looking at your show sheet. For anyone who's hearing this right now and, and can't actually see it, it says non-title. So what's the bleep point? Oh, you can say damn on the internet. Oh, okay. We can say damn. What's the damn point? Exactly. It's an interesting question to ask because... A, there's no good answer, and B, you don't have anybody else for Michael Chandler to fight. I mean, Akihiro Gono is 32, 17, and 7. I've That's never a seen a guy. Record. I've never seen a guy with seven draws on his resume, first of all. Second of all, he's a guy that they brought in because no one else wanted to fight him. And no one else wanted to fight him because there's no title shot. It, you're, you're being thrown in there. It's an opportunity to make a name for yourself and defeat Michael Chandler. That's cute. But it doesn't mean anything. It's so, a lose-lose so, both ways. So as you ask, what's the point? Well, here's the point. Michael Chandler's got to get fights on his contract taken care of. He's got to get paid. He wants money. Akihiro Gono likes money as well. It, it'd be another loss to you know a top 10, top 15 opponent. Gono's probably perfectly okay with that. I don't necessarily have a stomach to watch it because, as you pointed out, maybe, what, twice already? It makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense, Bellator. I'll say it again. Why? Uh, but that's how they do things in Ontario, Canada, sometimes. And uh, Akihiro Gono is going to be fed to the Wolves. Michael Chandler is going to get himself another win. Uh, look, Akihiro Gono is a nice guy. I'm sure he's a very solid fighter from Japan. You look at his record, he wins twice as much as he loses, which is nice. He should be fighting in deep or dream, or making money, just chilling. He shouldn't have to fight Michael Chandler for a paycheck. I don't think this is anything like Christian Mpumbu's situation because I don't see any way Akihiro Gono can win this fight. So why is it happening? Well, it's happening because Michael Chandler needs fights to settle that contract. 
The rest of the fight card, though, if we can get past that. Yes, I, I want to move <clears> past that as quickly as possible. I think you're excited. I'm excited. Should be some interesting welterweight tournament tournament semifinal fights. Uh, ben Saunders and Brian Baker is your first. Right. Carl Amasu and David Rickles, your second. The winner of those uh, fights meet each other for the welterweight Season 6 Tournament Championship. As much as I want to belittle the accomplishments of David Rickles, uh, you get a guy in there who's undefeated. I, even if he wins, I can't really complain. I mean, he'd be 11-0. Brian Baker, Ben Saunders is going to be sensational. Two big dudes at welterweight. Brian Baker cut from middleweight to compete in this tournament. Uh, I think they are very similar as fighters. Ben Saunders, more of a Muay Thai specialist. Brian Baker kind of has an awkward style similar to Dominic Cruz. Enjoy watching him fight, battle leukemia, continues to battle it. A great story. Anybody who hasn't you know, checked that out yet should definitely get online and read up on Brian Baker. He's just a delightful story. Carl Amasu, uh, I've touted the guy for years. He's going to have a shot. He can If he can run through David Rickles, he's going to be in, in the final. Uh, and, you know, superstardom can come quick for him at the welterweight division with, uh, with a couple good wins. And the winner of this whole thing gets uh, Ben Askren. Oh, goody. Mr. Personality. Mr. Excitement. So the moral of the story is whoever wins this uh, welterweight semifinal will be on their back quite a bit in about six to nine months competing against Ben Askren for a title. Unless one of them punches him really hard in the face. Correct. The following night, we've got UFC on Fox 3. Not exactly a world beater in terms of a main card. You have Nate Diaz and Jim Miller. Actually a pretty darn good fight. Johnny Hendricks and Josh Koscheck. Johnny Hendricks, of course, had the was a 10-second, 15-second knockout of John Fitch a few months back. And Josh Koscheck, everybody knows who he is. Alan Belcher and his crazy tattoo against Rusamar Palharis. This is a return of Alan Belcher coming off a, a really bad injury to his eye. And he's being given a guy who is known for breaking things. Just an <laughs> interesting fight. So they're not... Going to give him something fun. These guys aren't going to be holding hands and cuddling, that's for sure. There's going to be some They won't be playing cake. patty cake like John Jones and Rashad. Correct. Did. This is, uh, you know, we look at this fight card, and I think if you'll agree, if we look at the, the main card, it's it's not stunning. I mean, LeVar Johnson, Pat Berry can be fun. Someone's going to go to sleep. And as far as heavyweights go, maybe that's all you can ever ask for. Belcher, Paul Harris is going to be interesting to see. You know, A, where Belcher stands in middleweight, and and B, if Paul Harris is as violent and as good as we think, how far up the middleweight ladder can he move? Hendricks, Koscheck, you know, those guys don't like each other. It's a huge stepping stone. Does spot. Josh Koscheck like anybody? No. Okay. Probably not even his own family. <laughs> He'll go fight his own brother if he has to. Well, he just won't fight John Fitch or anybody at AKA. Let's make that very clear. He said that many times. Nate Diaz, Jim Miller. Uh, it looks like in that main event, the winner may get a title shot. Uh, Do we see Nick Diaz come out as a cornerman for his brother like we've seen I, I think, a lot of times? I think so. I, I think Jim has an advantage in this fight, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked or surprised at all if, if Nate can win. He's he's shown the the beating Nate Diaz put on, on Donald Cerrone was just amazing. Uh, and, and it was nice to see that Carlos Condit didn't fall into that trap against Nick uh, of standing in front and just trading blow for blow with the guy who has better boxing. So, intriguing main event, but you know, for for you and I, uh, I think for anybody else who's listening to this, if you haven't seen the full fight card, this is a fight card for you 
to be introduced to a lot of the flyweights. A lot of the a lot of the ultimate fighter veterans as well, not just flyweights or or bantamweights or featherweights. Just a lot of guys you may have seen on Spike in the past couple years on Tough, Michael Johnson, Tony Ferguson, uh the the season 14 bantamweight champion John Dodson, uh Louis Gaudino, Dennis uh, Bermudez, you know. Uh, Roland Delorme. The, Pablo Garza was even on it, had a cup of coffee on the Ultimate Fighter for a second. This is an interesting undercard, uh, and an undercard that I think everyone should be excited about because, A, aside from you know Carlos Vimola against Mike Masenzio, there's not a whole lot of big dudes on it, so you're not going to get a lot of lumbering, uh, cardio-lacking guys in there throwing bombs. It's going to be sharp, crisp striking, lots of little dudes bouncing around. Nick Denis is fighting Roland Delorme. Should be an interesting fight. Dennis Bermudez, Pablo Garza will compete. Danny Castillo, former WEC guy we've seen fight before. John Cholish will be his opponent. This is one of the most intriguing fights on the card for me. John Lineker, 19-5. and five. He's, a, he's a big, big flyweight. I, I think he's a guy that can be competing at the top of the flyweight division. He'll fight Louis Godineau. Pascal Kraus against John Hathaway is a great fight. If you're interested in international mixed martial arts, Pascal Kraus, 10 and 0, competing out of Germany, will be fighting England's John Hathaway, who's four, or excuse me, 15 and 1, 25 and 1 combined fight record between the two of those guys. Those guys are throwing down. That's great welterweight action. This fight card has something for everyone, and even though it doesn't have, you know, it's not super top heavy. You're not getting huge name guys. The entire card, aside from maybe one or two fights, has something everyone can enjoy. And those flyweight fights should be sensational and action-packed. So plenty of stuff for you to watch next weekend. And of course, of course, we'll have a full recap of the night's events next week on the MMA Cutmen Show. Marcus, that should just about do it for us this week. You got uh, got anything else for us? My paper's, my paper's empty. Well, I'm, I'm What's about, the damn point? Oh. I, I'm about tapped out. Uh, interesting uh, UFC fights in May and early June. People should be uh, you know aware of the Ultimate Fighter finale. The, the main uh, UFC 146 main events. And also, we don't talk about it enough anymore because they don't have them enough. People need to pay attention. Don't forget, Josh Barnett and Daniel Cormier will be competing May 19th for the Strike Force Grand Prix That's Heavyweight. still happening? That's still happening. Oh. Uh, it's, it's still an event that uh, we're going to be talking about. Gilbert Melendez and Josh Thompson will be fighting. You know, Jay-Z Cavalcante will be fighting on the card. Rafael Cavalcante, Mike Kyle... Uh, it's a it's a very interesting fight card for not only for Strike Force's future but for the future of Barnett and Cormier. So, uh, keep your eye on stuff outside the UFC as well. A lot of great content. We'll talk more about it next week and, and do some previews. But uh, sensational May and June as far as MMA is concerned. And that'll do it for us this week. I think we bounced back from last week's show that never aired pretty pretty sufficiently, pretty Any, well. Anytime you can throw together a good show uh, following a week in which you didn't have a show, uh, I, I think we hit a home run. And that's our show from Seattle, Washington. I'm Kevin. That's Marcus. We're still asking, what's the damn point, Bellator? Thanks for listening to the MMA Cut, men. We'll talk to you again next week.